This is the Self-Helpful Podcast, where I invite today's most important influencers to grapple with their own wisdom and stories in an authentic, relatable conversation about self-help and what drives them. I'm Kevin Miller. I'll be your guide as I distill my guests' greatest wisdom and methodologies into practical, transformative steps. This podcast has been downloaded over 60 million times by people like you and me who want to elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. We have been looking at how we view and feel about money, and it keeps drawing me back to how influential our work is. We make money from the work we provide, from our efforts to help deliver a product or a service. If we're not proud of the work we do, if we're not proud of the end product or service we help provide, if we're just doing it for the money, then the money we earn as a result, we have negative feelings about. The money itself becomes a focus of our frustration along with the work. And this is far more than just about money. Uh, It's about our personal self-approval. If you have any negative feelings about money, we'd have you consider how you feel about how you earn it. This is part three on my series with Ken Honda, uh, Japan's number one self-help guru, and his focus on the energy we have around money, which is the topic of his super best-selling book, Happy Money, the Japanese art of making peace with your money that we've been talking about. My co-host here for this peer discussion is Tom Ziegler. Tom is son to the inspirational legend, Zig Ziglar, and The Ziglar Show is where this podcast evolved from. Tom is an expert in the workplace, and in this episode, we dig further into how our feelings about our work and how we earn money are just foundational to our overall feelings of money and really ourselves as a whole. We also discuss how we feel about spending money on undesired and unexpected expenses and how to better handle it when we're the one taking money for such expenses. Hey, a reminder to check out Ken Honda's book, Happy Money, anywhere, and connect directly with him at KenHonda.com. The Self-Helpful Podcast pays homage to Zig Ziglar, one of our world's most inspirational leaders. Ziglar is your premier source for equipping top coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. So visit Ziglar.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. And I truly thank you for tuning into this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Next up, Tom Ziegler and I further discuss Ken Honda's message around happy money and really address this issue of what we do to earn money, how it just drastically influences how we ultimately feel about our money. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tom, you are well acquainted with the idea of an attitude about money. I mean, you've been around Dave Ramsey. He's a buddy of yours. And 
you know, looking at how we treat money, what we do with it. And that's what I'm used to is money, budgeting, investing, whatnot, and, and maybe having, you know, a good attitude about it or not. But man, to really get to Ken Honda's focal point of no, how do you really feel about money? What's at the at the bottom? What are your emotions around money? I just haven't ever really it never resonated with me like it has with him. So I'll say that. And I know you just listened to the show I did with them. What rose to the surface for you? What were your emotions about the emotions of money? How's that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, my first emotion was, it was like memory lane. I was just reminded of all the sayings that dad had about money. Yeah. Uh, You know, when, when I was little, he would get on stage and he'd say, everybody says money won't make you happy. And yet everybody wants to find out for themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, and then he had this little bit where, you know, cold, hard money. He goes, that's a lie. And he'd pull money out of his pocket and he'd, he'd start playing with the money and say, it's soft and it's warm. Oh, I remember. <laughs> yeah. He goes, and look, it goes with anything you're wearing. <laughs> Yeah. And then he would say, uh, you know, money's not the most important thing in life, but it is relatively close to oxygen on the gotta have it scale. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and then privately he would say, you know, he, he told me, he said, son, I have no need to be rich, but I have great need not to be poor. Hmm. And I think what he meant by that was just the capacity to take care of himself and the ones that he loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, money, um, for whatever reason, I've never measured money and success hand in hand. Um, A lot of people, it is the scorecard. Uh, You know, you, you you pick your mate based on, their potential to be money successful. <laughs> well, can I can I press in on that, Tom? So you yeah. grew up. I mean, by the time that you were a kid, your dad had. And if people don't know Zig Ziglar's story, which he told so many times, if not every time, from the stage. I mean, he was, you know, a, a, a big family and, and and poverty basically. I mean, they did not have it was it was a fair amount of poverty he came out of. They didn't. Um, didn't have much. And so he made his way out of that. By the time you're born, he was doing pretty well all in all. And because of who he was as a, as a celebrity, you got to, you got kind of an interesting place of seeing a dramatic amount of, I'm going to do, you know, quotes for people watch the video, quote, successful people, meaning they had achieved a lot in some areas. So let's just take out the ones, especially, you know, in business, they had achieved a lot in business. They had done X, Y, Z, uh, with whatever product or service they had made a lot of money. And you saw them a lot of times speaking about that. They got opportunities for that. So you saw authors and speakers and coaches and presenters and consultants and all these things, all these quote, successful people. And what my thought is, because I did too, uh, I don't know if it was to the degree, to the degree you did. I don't think it was, but I do, but what it gave you was front row seats to happiness. And so were these people happy? How many of them did you see that had, yeah, quote, success, but they were not necessarily happy? I just got off a call with a guy who said he has seen so many miserable, well-accomplished people. Oh, that was a great line. Miserable. So all that to say, so as you talk about that, not always equating money to success, maybe that's because you didn't have some silver lining around people with a lot of money because you saw plenty of those who they were not in your in your economy successful, or they at least didn't seem happy. Is that fair? Yeah. All the time. Dad had a classic story of a young man. Um, and I think it was mother or father-in-law had written into dad and, and said, Hey, can you counsel our son-in-law? Uh, he's going down the wrong path. He's, he's chosen as his mentor, the man that he works with. And this man is not a good person, but he's very financially successful. Yeah. And so 
dad said, sure. And so this young man comes in, you know, he's full of fight and vim and vigor, and he's going to go take on the world. And dad says, so tell me what's your plan. And he says, well, I want to be like so-and-so he's very wealthy. He goes, oh, that's awesome. So let's evaluate his, his life. You know, if you're going to pattern your life after somebody, then let's make sure that it's what you really want. And so the first thing he says is, so tell me about his business and his career and his fine. And so that was like 10 out of 10. He goes, great. Well, he sounds like an amazing human being. Tell me about his family, his wife and his kids. Oh, he's been divorced three times. Doesn't talk to his kids. Oh, okay. So that's what you want. And the guy says, no, I don't want that at all. He goes, okay, so what do you want? He says, well, I want to have a good family. And you go, okay, so we'll write that down. He goes, now, this guy's health. I mean, he's so financially successful. Surely he's got the best medical care. He's taken care of himself. And he's like, actually not. He's very overweight, limited in his mobility. He has to take blood pressure medication. Sometimes it flares up. And so they went through the seven spokes on the wheel and he was a 10 out of 10 on the financial career ones, right? Those two and sub five on everything else, no personal life, no family, you know, mentally the guy was always upset and angry and worried. And so, so dad looks at him and says, um, so this is who you want to be like. And the young man, to his credit, said, you know, I guess not. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, that's. And so there's a it's funny that we're talking about this because I just taught a class on here was the subject. The subject of the class was in 2023. Do you want to make more money, the same money or less money than you made in 2022? Right. It's a, it's a great question. Right. Yep. And so we went through a series of questions and of course, most people said more money. Um, and I said, you know, more money could equal more financial security. And so if what you want in 2023 is more financial security, there are some ways to make that happen without necessarily increasing your income. Right. You could pay some debt, you could, you know, change some risk and there's different things you could do. And so then I asked the question, so why do you want more money? What changes if you have more money? How is life different because you have more money? And that's another way of getting to that same answer that dad was driving for with that young man. Mm -hmm. Why? And people will discover. And then this made me flashback. You were saying, what kind of emotions do we have? Mm -hmm. I was, I flashed back to gosh, um, five or six years ago, Seth Godin. And I had asked Seth Godin to uh, write an endorsement for the book, choose to win. And he, he was gracious. And, and then I said, can I ask you a question? I've, I've kind of got this, uh, linchpin quote in the book. The fastest way to success is to replace bad habits with good habits. I said, what do you think about it? And what do you, what are your comments? And he basically said something with, yeah, I like it in general. He said, but there is a faster way. And I go, what's that? And he goes, decide you're successful now. Hmm. <laughs> and I think that's, a really interesting thing when it comes to the money and happiness equation. Right. Because what I got out of the podcast is, you know, what really is, what really does make me happy. Yeah. And it's the work we, it's, it's the work we do that we're, that is natural or gives us great satisfaction because it has a positive impact on somebody else. That that's what captured me, Tom. I mean, it really is. It, and interesting, just to comment on what you said. You know, do you want more money, less money, same money, whatever? You got me thinking about that for myself. And there's some 
validity to me wanting and expecting more money, but I'm cautious. I'm cautious at what, at what expense, at what expense am I willing to do that at the expense of, to make more at the expense of time with my family, with experiences with my kids. No, I don't want to kind of back to your analogy, that guy in the seven spokes. Am I willing to do that at the cost of less personal time, uh, self-care, for me, it's, I, I don't even like the word exercise, but adventure, you know, going out and doing things, but attending to my personal health. Not really. Uh, and based on that, it's interesting because it's very valid for right now that this next year, um, well, this, this year I, I made more money than I ever have. Uh, gross. I spent a lot uh, to build, build the business yeah, and my family. <laughs> and this next year, I will likely make even more but I wonder if I'll keep even less because I'm working on building a business, putting some things into place and making sure that I am not giving up X, Y, Z. So you know, even that is interesting because I know so many people, you do too, especially entrepreneurs that, oh, they made more money. Gross. They grossed more money. The business may, you know, generated more money every year, but you can do that and make less personal income every single year as well. Um, so uh, yeah, it's interesting looking at that balance. But what you said is probably the thing that, is most on my mind after talking to Ken. I don't know if it, there's a couple of things. There's something else too that we'll get to, but that aspect of my work, our work as a culture and looking at the culture right now, are we, the word that resonated with me was proud. Are we proud of the work that we do that earns the money we have? So that money that's in my pocket, in my bank account, am I proud of what I did to get it? And I'm not thinking about, you know, oh, I'm not proud because I was dealing drugs on the street. I'm just talking, you know, there's people that just, they're frustrated with their work. They don't enjoy their work. And so to get paid, it's kind of like a necessary evil, you know, or a little silver lining maybe to this crappy work. Or what if they work at something that they don't see is just, it's not bad. The work's good. People are good, but they just don't see the value that it gives to humanity. Uh, and so they feel kind of, kind of guilty or, or maybe, heck, I, I've, I've known people, I bet you have two times where they're like, man, I make a, I make an incredible amount of money. I don't, and they really don't feel worth it. They don't feel like they're providing that much value. They're grateful for it, but they almost feel guilty uh, for that. So, you know, how, or, or people that were given it, uh, that were, I, I had a guy recently who inherited a lot of money and he's little, I mean, I can see it in his, in his posture when he talks about it, he's a little ashamed of it, a little guilt factor in that. So again, going back to here's money that we have, are we proud of how we made it. I think that's, that's one of the key highlights there. I've got a couple of others, but that one, well, that one really hit me and thinking about work and what we do with our work and even got me on to the point, Tom, of thinking, man, I want to have work that I think about that I get to do. I get to do this work today instead of I have to, because it, ultimately we do want something that we enjoy doing. I don't want to get up in the more. I don't personally want to get up and go, man, I'm just bored. I don't have to work. I can do whatever I want. And I'm just bored to tears. And just, there's so much time you can spend just doing things that kind of, you know, pleasure yourself and maybe on the golf course and eating sushi. And after a while, you kind of want to do something productive that has worth to other people and that you're curious about, you know? So to that extent, I want to have work where I think, man, I'm grateful that I get to do this work instead of that concept that is so easy, even for me to go, no, I've got to, I've got to, because I, because to a degree I, I do, I'm not independently wealthy. I can't, I, I personally cannot in another place. And we know people, both of us, uh, who don't really have to work again. They've got enough money. Um, I'm not there. And yet, even if I was, what would I do? I just work. I just, <laughs> I want to do something that contributes. I really do. But I do. And then so that, you know, again, Ken got me thinking about, you know, sad, happy money. I'm kind of thinking about proud money. I want money that I'm proud of that. I did this. Gosh, you and I, uh, man, talk about Seth Godin long ago, interviewed him. That was around the time that we interviewed Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And he schooled me on that concept that you've talked about since then of money being a certificate of appreciation. I want to be doing something every day that I enjoy and have skill in maybe hard and challenging, but I do that. I put out there, it's a contribution to humanity and I get back these certificates of appreciation. So I'm thinking of Ken has me thinking about proud money.
most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to take about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, you know, I look at it and I and I keep going by, you know, all of these um, counterbalances, right? So, who who is it? Is it Bill Rowe or who's the the guy who talks about dirty jobs and uh, Mike? I think Mike. Micro, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and so he's a big believer in blue collar, yeah, dirty jobs, and how much. Uh, how you should be proud of that, how we need that. Um, and, and so I think, I think where I'd connect everything is this, you know, the, the ultimate purpose I believe for every human being on this planet is to serve their fellow human being. And if you're bent on doing some type of work that is not generating a reward it's either because you're not good enough at it yet not enough people know about it yet or there's not a need for that and so you know and so uh a lot of uh people will talk about the crazy uh college degrees that people get in areas that they spend $200,000 getting a degree and the income opportunity in that area is near zero. Yeah. Right. And so it's possible to be passionate about something that gives you joy, but doesn't solve a problem in the world that people value it being solved. Yeah. Right. And so that's where the Seth Godin thing comes in is, um, hey, maybe the work you do 
is okay. It's meh, right? It's it's okay. But if you flip your mindset just a little bit and say the value in the work is the relationships of the people that I work with, and I can take great uh, joy in solving problems, well, now it moves from a mundane thing to a life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people have uh, unhappiness around money because they have a uh, negative view of the work they do. Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I was, I remember I was uh, coaching one of our uh, people and he has a, um, a refrigeration company what they work on uh, high dollar refrigeration units for like hospitals and manu- manufacturing companies and the technicians are um, very skilled very trained if they mess up you know a lot of inventory can be destroyed a manufacturing line might have to come offline for a day or two days while they fix it hospital medicines could be ruined because the refrigeration doesn't work. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And he said to me, I wish that my people knew the value that they brought. And so I I asked him out loud, I said, so what do they work on? And he told me what I just said. And I said, so if the manufacturing line goes down and those hourly workers are sent home, do they get paid for not working? And He said, no, of course not. They would never pay hourly workers for not working. I said, well, at that income level, probably missing a couple of days of work is like whether you have Christmas or a birthday or not, right? That's a major, that's a huge economic impact. I said, your technicians provide Christmas. And so all of a sudden, the view of the work changes, right? And so when we start focusing on the the outcome of of a job well done, and st- you know, in a also with the, the work that we do, we can get great joy and satisfaction in it. I'm one of the things that's on my schedule. I've been doing it for six years now. Every Monday morning, we do our Choose to Win mentoring. We have a program where I go through Choose to Win. Uh, every week and we repeat about every eight weeks we go through it again we have a bunch of people show up and every class is a little bit different and it's right there 9 a.m every monday morning and by the time i get to that class i'm ready for the week and mentally emotionally all the different things i would say on average i'm probably like um, a seven or an eight by the time i finish the class i'm like a 10 plus (laughs) Right. Because it's the joy of what I get to do. Yeah. But you know what moves me to the 10? The first 10 minutes when people in the group share about the aha or the win or the victory, the goal achieved, the difference in their week from the previous week. It's an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm with you, man. I'm never retiring. Yeah. Just because I, I, I love it. But but my happiness, yeah, uh, you know, Dad said this. He said, uh, I like all the things money will buy, but I love all the things money won't buy. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're we're giving up love so we can get more like. Well, it, and we keep talking, we kind of hit those polarized sides, you know, of, of poverty and wealth and, and whatnot. And it seems like so much, so often the happiness is, it's found in the middle somewhere, or, you know, it's, it's more back to that attitude of money. And Ken talked about that, about knowing miserable, incredibly wealthy people that would have everything that somebody who's poor might think, you know, yes, it's just going to be so glorious on the other side. And I haven't experienced it to that level, but I remember, and really, you know, worrying about money in my, as a young father and whatnot, and doing entrepreneurial things, some that didn't work. And, worrying about the next grocery uh, run or gas or whatnot. And I remember a time thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, just six figures. That's always the magic number when you're first trying to get up there. And and then the year came when I made six figures. And um, 
And I was, and it was, you know, we didn't have to worry as much. And I realized my, my anxiety didn't change, Tom, maybe some bits of it did, but I still, and to some degree, and there was a little time after where I made even more and I realized I'm focused on it even more than I was before. I'm going into the bank account and I'm looking at, and it's there, but I'm, why am I worrying about it more now? But again, coming back to Ken and just looking at how do I feel about money? I did want to make a, it's just too, it's too coincidental. You talking about Mike Rowe and dirty jobs that I had a guy come out here today to my house. So I'm sitting, I'm, I'm recording this from my home office and I'll usually do that. We live out in uh, the national forest up in, you've, you know, my, you know, my place, you sat around my campfire and slept in the guest room. So he comes out here. So we had a pretty good side house size house. We have a well, we have our own well. That's how we get our water from deep down in the ground. And we have our own septic system, huge septic system that goes out there to 1500 gallon tanks. And I won't go through the details of that. This dude came out today with his big truck to extract the stuff out of my septic tanks that was way overdue. And he was just a joyful guy. He owns the business. He was here for an hour and a half. I paid him 800 bucks. And he, you know, has a big truck that he paid for. And of course that's part of his overhead and whatnot, but he's going to take that and go dump it wherever he dumps it and make a nice income. And he's outside and he just seemed happy about it. And you could look at that and of course think, you know, pun intended, what a crappy job, but the dude, he he's run his business. He's doing what he wants to do. And for me, it's huge. I mean, there's some, there's some bad consequences to a backed up septic system out here in the national forest in the cold. Uh, so I am incredibly grateful. I, honestly, I, it was happy money. It really was happy money uh, to give to him, which was another big point, Tom, that came to me of thinking about how do I, because so one, we're, we're talking about how we feel about the money we earn, period. And if we don't enjoy our work, we're not proud of that. We feel guilt or we feel frustration, whatever. Often we're going to have sad money to begin with. We got the check, but we're kind of we're kind of irritated about what we had to do to get it. So we've already got sad money. Now we're looking at our spending. And especially if it's tight, things may always feel a little sad, putting money out there. But I think that even that when it's tight, people aren't sad as much to spend money on Netflix, their entertainment, or to spend money on pizza. I mean, we even see that in the movies, the depiction of, you know, poor family and it's, but we're going to get pizza. We're going to splurge and get pizza. And that's happy. Even if the money's hard to come by, that's happy money. And yeah, thinking about how do I feel about money that I spend? And I talked in the, I, I've continued to think about it. I've talked about the money that I, I, I'm, I'm an impatient guy. I don't like to go backwards. If we leave the house getting ready to go on vacation. It's taken so much to get us out the door and we go out the door and we get half mile away and somebody goes, Oh my gosh, I forgot something. I have a really hard time with my attitude going back <laughs> because it's wasted time and they'll I'm get, with- they'll get fresh. Dad, you're going a hundred miles an hour. I know I'm making up for lost time now, man. Hey, going backwards. That's what it feels like. That's what it can tend to feel like if I'm not aware of myself when I have a car problem and I'm going along now, I'm going to waste time and I'm going to blow a thousand bucks. Seems like any car problem these days is at least a thousand bucks, a thousand bucks that I shouldn't have had to. And maybe I shouldn't have. I had that recently happen. I blew a tire out on a car and the tire was, they were only like 50% of the way through, but the tire hit something and blew. And because we have all our cars are either four wheel drive or all wheel drive out here. You got to have the same tread, you know, on all those. Cause they're, they're all, so I had to get all new tires. I think it was 1200 bucks for whatever car that was. It was unnecessary. It was an accident. I think at the time I had sad money going out of my pocket. I was given and I was sad about that. And of course I talked to Ken about that. How can I change that? And there's all kinds of things we can play about. I mean, no way am I going to be happy that that happened. I'm not happy that the problem happened, but Ken took us through. How can I be happy that I have the money or I have access to the money or, um, you know, thank goodness the tire blew when it, or I say it blew. I think it, I don't think we were driving when it, no, we were driving, but it was close to my house. Um, I was able to get a kid come pick me up. You know, a lot of things worked out well and you know, it's that balance. I get it between being Pollyanna again, there's no way I'm going to be happy that that happened, but can I not make it sad money one? And then two, and I talked to him about this and I was interested in your take on it, Tom. What if you have a business on that end? That's often sad money. You're the recipient of sad money. Nobody's really excited. And we did talk about this on the show with Ken. Nobody's really excited to go into the dentist 
and spend money on my teeth. Now, a lot of people have insurance with that, which is why I like the car mechanic thing, because that's money right out of your pocket. We're not happy about that. So what if you're in that business and you know you're a mechanic or whatever, and you know that people are coming to spend money with you that they would rather have not spent? My thought is, man, there's a big opportunity from a marketing standpoint, branding and positioning to take that business and try to change people's perspective on that. So if I have a mechanic shop, how can I in realizing that people are coming and spending money they wish they didn't have to for the most part, how can I help that? How can I help them view that as happier money? It feels like a big opportunity to me. It's a huge opportunity. And, you know, one of the things we do with Howard Partridge and our small mm-hmm. business coaching, the owner coaching, you know, we have a very simple recommended mission statement. If you're a small business owner and you don't have a mission statement or it's, you know, two paragraphs long and nobody knows it, you know, we we say something like, uh, make it this. We provide the most phenomenal tire replacement experience possible. <laughs> yeah. And, and it sounds really simple, but if you look at, if you're in the sad money business, dentist, mechanic, and they aren't real excited about coming to you, what if your focus was making it the most phenomenal experience possible? And you see that uh, in our in the, in Dallas, you can go to different car dealers. One dealer you go into, I'll just name him Sewell. I mean, you walk in and they're glad to see you. And they're like, do you want some coffee from my coffee bar? Hey, we've got some private rooms where you can go in and make phone calls. Whatever it is, it's like a total experience. And then you go to other places and, and you're pretty sure they don't even know your name, even though you've spent tens of thousands of dollars there. Right. Yeah. And everything's a little dirty and, you know, and, and so you're, you're thinking I'm getting a good deal here. And at the end of the relationship, the place that provided the experience also threw in a lot of preventative stuff that kept you from the extra catastrophe, right? You you didn't even realize it. And so if you're in a business where, you know, I can think of, uh, you know, flood and Mm -hmm. fire uh, services. Uh, I can think of plumbers, uh, HVAC guys when it's 110 degrees outside. I mean, nobody's real excited about the air going out in Dallas, Texas in July when it's 110, right? True, true. And when when the person, you know, when when the technician or the representative from the HVAC company knocks on the door, the homeowner has all these things going through their head. Can I trust them? How, do I, how much is this going to cost? How long is it going to take? all these different things. And so a great way to, to change your happiness level for what you do is to think about the emotions that your customers are going through and your prospects are going through before they decide to do business with you and then create an experience that puts them at ease. Uh Uh, And I've seen dentists that they specialize in children and, create an amazing experience and they have all kinds of cool stuff going on. And then I've been to dentists where it's just kind of, you know, old school and everybody's tense. Um, I remember when my daughter, she was four or five and I think she had to have her adenoids out. And so we had to go to the day before to uh, do the blood work right before they could do this procedure. And I remember these two nurses came out and they were like prepared to like lock down her arm. And I looked at them and I said, she doesn't care if you take blood or give her shots. She she doesn't care. And their whole demeanor changed. Mm -hmm. Right. But the point was, is that somebody who's already fearful of the situation, how are they going to respond if, you know, the nurses are basically bringing out tie-down straps for a four-year-old? Yeah. Right? They're going to freak, right? Because that's that's confirmation that this is going to be terrible. Yeah. Right? And and so how can we put somebody at ease in, in, in whatever we're doing? 
if our if our real job um in in hebrew and sales and i've talked about this many times there's a word in hebrew for sale and it means to look into the future of a prospect anticipate a problem that they were likely to have down the road and then help them to not have the problem mm-hmm. and so like like uh uh, he was saying on the podcast, "Hey, if you're a if you're a dentist and we can do this cleaning and we can fill this cavity, you can either think, oh my gosh, this is terrible, I've caused this pain, or wow, I've kept them from misery because these things always flare up on vacation. <laughs> yeah, right. And so you've got a choice. And so that goes back to Seth. Just decide you're already successful." And then I would go back to the why, what, sh- and the and the story with dad and the young man. What is your definition of success? Yeah, you saying that anticipate and help them not have the problem. Yeah, you know, it's also got me thinking. I mentioned Dave Ramsey at the beginning of this that with my let's take cars again. My kids, I, I saw it in my kids. They save up money. They you know work during the summer, save up money. And, uh, and buy a car. So I've had, you know, a bunch of them do that at this point and they buy that car for three grand or six grand or eight grand, you know, whatever it is, they buy that car and they think, ah, here it is. And the expectation that now they're just going to drive merrily along their way for as long as they desire to. And of course the reality is the emergency that Ramsey would say is not an emergency is going to happen. The brakes are going to wear out and have to be replaced. The tires are going to wear out and have to be replaced. You are going to have to get oil changes. Something is going to go wrong. And for me, again, if something's going to go wrong, it's going to be a thousand dollars. That's all. If it's less than a thousand dollars, I'm always happy. Uh, it's going to be that. And we expect those. And so now then if we save for those, if my kids save for those and the money is there for the tires and they've got 800 bucks, 600 bucks, thousand around here, we again, it's thousand bucks because we've got to get all trained tires and, and whatnot. If that's in the bank, it, it's not so sad when the expectation is there. We have so much based on expectations and I'm trying to do that with myself to go, this, this is going to happen every couple of years. I'm going to pay $800 to have our septic tanks taken out. So if I just expect that it's not so happy, it's when we just are hoping it won't happen that, uh, that we get so disappointed. I, I also wanted, you mentioned Sewell Cadillac. I don't know if people caught that. That's one of my first beloved marketing books that I cut my teeth on. It's called customers for life. Highly recommended. Customers for Life, how to turn that one-time buyer into a lifetime customer. It's by Carl Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L, of the famed Sewell, initially Sewell Cadillac in Dallas, wasn't it? Aren't they based there? In Dallas, yeah, but now they've got... Lexus and Finnish. They got everything. I'm sure. I'm sure. And probably expanded beyond that. But you know, it's honestly, it's another perspective on how to win friends and influence people. Uh, It's how to take care of people well, how to set back that, how to set great expectations. And I like that term, Tom, as we're talking again about Ken Honda and this book, Happy Money. So much comes around our expectations, our hope that we don't have to spend on X, Y, Z. And it's gotten me looking again at how I feel about expenses that are going to happen. How can I feel better about taxes? And my gosh, is there anything that people get more frustrated about than taxes? And I think we, I would say that that's got to be top of the list in our culture for people feeling victimized by taxes. And I'm not going to get into the doctrine of government and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure you don't want to either here on this show, Um, but it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. It's part of that. If I don't like it, move out of the country to some extent. It's going to happen. You got to deal with it. And, And the point being, what's most important is my expectations and my attitude around that. Is it happy or sad money? And Tom, I, I mean, to be to be candid with it, I have not done a good job in my life of creating a happiness around money with my kids. And so it's something that we're talking about now. And I want to talk to them more in regards to this book. And I have done a lot of enjoying what I work. So it's not from that. 
a lot of it is me not tending to best business practices well, not having finances in mind, really being altruistic. And that sounds uh, righteous, but it's not. I, I was altruistic in my work a, a lot of times. Yes, that I authentically want to help people. Yes, I also wanted to feed my own self-image to feel like I was serving people. It was as much about me as anything. And in that, I didn't focus on money kind of as a point. I'm not going to focus on money. I'm going to be all about heart. Well, you don't make a lot of money doing that often. Um, You got to have a financial plan, have some goals, have best business practices. And these days, I just just partner with other people to do that because it's not a great strong point of mine. But in doing that, I often was struggling for money. And so I was sad about spending money because I just didn't have a whole lot of it on hand. And that what's interesting, as I talked about before, though, that still just perpetuates that even when I have money, I'm still have I didn't I didn't solve the emotion around it. And I think that that's what we think. We've got a bad emotion around it, not having enough money, then just make more money. And we have too many stories of that not being the case. Of course, it you know, helps, to, helps to a degree, but we're back to that. What are our emotions? And it's gotten me interested into, yeah, where did that, where did that come from? What's the root issue of my feelings around money and how can I change that as far as how I spend money, how I receive money and at the core if I've got sad money, it is not going to, it's going to eat away at me daily. And it's probably going to inhibit my ability to earn more money. There's a couple of concepts here that I think will validate why money is so important. The, the first concept is this, um, you know, we, it's in the news like every day. There's a uh, a snatch and grab robbery in San Francisco. You know, they're cleaning out the CVS, right? They, they catch them, they let them go. And it's like, well, why? Well, because they stole less than a thousand dollars and there's just outrage, right? I mean, how can you not prosecute? Well, the reason that that seems so wrong is this basic fundamental concept Imagine you are an artisan and you make a beautiful table and this table you sell for a thousand dollars and it takes you, you know, uh, 50 hours to build this table. Mm -hmm. And so you've got a shop in San Francisco and somebody comes in and they steal that table, right? Did they steal a piece of wood? Did they steal a table? Or did they literally steal a hundred hours of your life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where the rub is. You see, when we put energy, physical and mental into something, that is, we're trading our, our life for that whatever that product is. And so when people get personally offended or hurt or traumatized, it's because somebody just stole part of their life. Yeah. Okay. And so, okay. So now we've got, we see where the value comes from. And so we talk a lot about, and uh, with uh, Dr. Randy James, we talk about it too. Is it, is it length of life or quality of life? Yeah. We want, we all want quality of life. I yeah. mean, who wants to live a miserable 70 years? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Lifespan versus health span is my favorite. Term. Yeah. 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 We, we want to live a healthy, happy 80 year, or, you know, forever. And so first thing is you were trading your life in order to, produce something that gives you back money. So that's why it's so important. You gave your life for that. We don't see it that way anymore. Yeah. Back back in the wild West, you stole somebody's horse or cattle. They hung you. Yeah. Right. You stole a pioneer's horse. You were basically sentencing them to death. Yeah. Right. So they hung them. You were taking their life. You know, it wasn't their horse you were taking. It was their life you were taking, their livelihood. 
Then the second thing is, well, if we're trading our life for money by doing that, what's the what's the quality of our life in the doing? And it could be we need a mindset adjustment so that we think differently about what we do and the value that it brings. Or it might be that there's something that we're a better fit to go and do. Yeah. That trading. And that was how we started the show with Ken talking about money. I think he used the word as an exchange. It's just a unit of exchange. So yeah, back in the settler days, I would exchange the wood that I harvested and cut today to burn or build a house or something with you because you were out collecting berries and wheat and I need to eat. And so we swap an exchange, but to take that back again to work that I'm exchanging my time for this money. I'm changing my energy today, my inspiration. I'm exchanging all of me, everything that I do today for this money. Do I feel good about that? And I do want to always in these discussions, Tom's put out, gosh, just compassion for those who are in a hard place and they're doing whatever it takes to take care of their family. And they may be doing something that they absolutely loathe. And to that degree of, uh, man, I, I want to give great honor to that. Um, great honor to that. And hope that they can, as they're doing that, be looking for something that they're more proud of to exchange their time for money long-term. So as a short-term fix, yes, but we've seen the negative ramifications of somebody who's devoted the majority of their life to something that they were not proud of. They did not feel uh, proud. They didn't, didn't feel um, satisfaction in, and they just did it to get that dollar. And there's so few people in that space who then felt happy about that. And again, we're just taking about this. Again, I appreciate the, the place that we started with Ken, that this is, it wasn't about money. He's just like you and me and like somebody who's got a different focus here and there that they're just focused on just a joyful life, a fulfilled life, a purpose filled life. That's the point. Money happens to be his area of expertise, but he's saying, man, this is just a piece of it. It's just a tool of this. And if you feel sad about this, no different than if you feel sad about your relationships, about your spirituality, about your health and wellness, as you talked about, if you feel sad about that throughout the day, it's going to take a toll. It's going to eat away at you, eat away. It does manifest at some degree. So he's taken money as a topic. So we could talk again about a hundred different perspectives, managing, investing, saving, what your work is. At the end of the day, it's all playing around with whatever we need to do, whatever you need to individually do so that you feel a positive feeling, positive energy is what he said, energy, happy energy towards money. And to that degree, I, I think there's room for all of us to progress in that. So it's gotten me thinking about my own personal perspectives on it, about my, my families and things that I perpetuated there, good and bad and talking about that, but saying, how can I set myself up so that I have happier and happier money? I think that's the point. Just think if, if all your money was happy, the only thing you would buy would be happy meals. <laughs> That's terrible. That would not make <laughs> you happy, Tom. It, it, that, know. You know, it, it is, it is interesting as I think about some of the, and I don't want to name them cause I don't want, I, I don't want to put my own feelings, but there's some jobs out there. And I think, man, you are primarily dealing with negative energy, you know? And I think about the, you know, the, the clown at the amusement park or yeah, the, somebody selling pizza. They just built a new, actually it was a, they didn't build a, a name, but there's an, a pizza joint. So my town, there's not a whole lot of restaurants. There's a pizza joint. Uh, it's done really well in this little strip mall forever. It's been there forever. And they now just built a brand new big place. And it's just happiness, man. Everybody's happy to go there. They're happy to work there. I think that that's, you're selling pizza. That's happy money. Uh, it's, it is kind of fun to be a part of that happy energy. But again, with sensitivity and compassion to know that there are some people, my gosh, when I was in the hospital with my firstborn son, Caleb, who you know well, and we were in uh, pediatrics, uh, ICU, intensive care, whatnot. And there's, there's these nurses there that are having to take these kids and poke and prod them and put needles in them. And that's not happy energy flowing through there. Thank God that they can withstand that. Cause I looked at them going, I, I, I couldn't handle it. 
I felt like I can't handle it. Thank God that they can handle it. Otherwise, there's nobody there to take care of my kid and to do this hard thing that's necessary and vital for his life. Um, and so, you know, there's there's extra work to be done, probably a, like affirmative action towards, you know, what you're doing. I, I hope that somebody in that role, even though they're around a lot of negative energy, feels great joy and satisfaction in what they do. And they are grateful to get that check. It's probably not big enough uh, for the value that they provide humanity, but that they take that and that they are happy to get it and then happy to spend that on the things that they need. Man, big topic. It's got me thinking around. I knew you would appreciate it. I was eager to talk to you about it as it related to work. And uh, it feels like there's another, you know, we don't make business the focus generally here on the show, but another that if you are, that, that could be like a, um, a great workshop. Ziegler should put on a workshop for people that are involved in businesses that people often wish they did not have to make to spend money on dentist, getting your car fixed, you know, whatever it is. Uh, how can you work to turn people's perspective around so that they are not so sad to give you that money that they wish they didn't have to give you? Sounds like a big, well, as you said, it is a big opportunity. Yep. There's a real simple okay. scripture that kind of like is the, capstone on this and it says uh do all your work as if unto the lord yeah and so whatever work you do just imagine waking up and saying every work action i do today i'm going to make an an offering to the lord Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the day imagine god is looking at what you did what's How's he? How how do you believe God would evaluate you on it? Would it be the skill level with which you did the work, the love, compassion, generosity, uh, attentiveness, uh, presence that that you exhibited while you were doing the work, where other people were there, your care and understanding for the the impact and benefit of the receiver to this work. The answer to all those is yes. (laughs) So, so maybe the way we find happiness at our work is we ask ourselves, how would God evaluate the work we just did? And you know what the answer might be, man, you did fantastic. I've got better work for you. And we've got to go find that. Right. That little missing spot that you feel yeah, it's because there's better work for you. Yeah. But keep doing the work unto me that you have in front of you and let's figure out what that better work is. Yeah. I love that. That, might be, that but, might be the, you know, kind of that secret sauce. I, I really think it is to take pride in it. No matter. And you could take this even to home that, you know, to take pride in the fact that I've got to sweep my kitchen floor this today, you know, and, and find pride in that doing it with gratitude is unto God. Good word. That's a good anchor for the show, man. Um, All right. Thanks again to Ken Honda and his book, Happy Money, and just uh, uh, the sweetness of his happiness that pervades everything he does. And uh, always a gift to do this with you, brother. Yep. And one last thing to all of our diligent podcast listeners who have stayed on until the very end of this episode. You've just witnessed the greatest podcast host in all the land. Wow. And he is going to be live at the Ziegler Coach Summit and Family Reunion coming up in June. So this is your time to get to, to, to meet the one and only Kevin Miller in person. We were talking about it earlier today. And he is going to be sharing the highlights from the greatest podcast interviews he's ever had and his new book, which... I got to read it in its deep it water. Did. It's good. It's good stuff. That's June sixteenth. We'll, you know, we'll send you information as we got it. But go ahead and block out June fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen on your calendar because you're going to want to be there. I think you are. I like how you put it. You're going to see me in person because there's always that possibility. Maybe I'm just that. What is that new thing? Chat GP whatever uh, yeah. the, the AI. <laughs> just yeah. I'm just a drone. We've been doing the podcast for 13 years now. And when Kevin started, he's actually an AI. Yeah. And we, we, 
<laughs> We're going to start questioning that these days. So to try to dispel that myth, come to Dallas and we'll see if I actually exist. Thanks, brother. Appreciate All right, man. Friends, I hope this really has you considering how you feel about how you earn your money and how that affects how you feel about the money you earn. A reminder to check out Ken Honda's book, Happy Money, anywhere, and you can connect directly with him at KenHonda.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast where I strive to help you and me elevate our personal experience of life and the way we show up for others. Stay driven, my friends. Stay driven, my friends.